Good morning, everyone. Would you turn to 1 Peter 5? So if you're just visiting today, we have what's going on here is what the Lord has called the reset. And what that means is in a, what might seem dramatic to you, but we feel it's obedience to the Lord, is that he has asked us to not meet corporately for three weeks in October. So on October 9th, October 16th, and October 23rd, we will not gather here corporately, but let me be clear that we are not suspending the assembly. We're just not going to do it for you because we want to challenge you. We believe there's an upgrade that's happening here in this ministry, and we believe that this is what the Lord has asked of us to do. And I would say, generally speaking, overall, people have basically said, well, I've never heard of anything like that or anyone ever doing anything like that, but we feel the Lord in it. So we feel like this is our attempt to follow the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, and we are trusting and releasing things back into the hands of the Lord where they belong because Jesus is the head of this church. Jesus is the one who rules and reigns. This is a presence-based ministry. We believe in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God has free reign to do what He wants and to establish order in His house. So when you talk about freedom in the Holy Spirit, people tend to think of a free-for-all depending on their exposure. But how many of you know that freedom comes with limits? You have the freedom to jump up and down, but you're going to come back down when you jump because the force of gravity is upon all of us. You have the freedom within God to do things, but ultimately the law of the Lord is what prevails. A man makes many plans in his own heart, right? But the will of the Lord prevails. So we make many plans. Even as we show up and we gather corporately, what do we do? We pray. We prepare, we seek the Lord, and then we yield. Because we believe that God has a unique plan for every time we gather. That there's something special that He wants to do. And if we'll yield to Him, and if we'll get in the river and allow Him to move, again, this isn't to the exclusion of order. This is within order. Because it's not a free-for-all, but it's also not a funeral either. You have churches that we can go off into it's more like you attended a funeral and it's dead and then you have the wild rambunctious there was no order and who knows who even said what and false doctrine runs rampant in those places so what do we want to do at our father's house we want to marry the word and the spirit we want these things together in tandem you know why because there's no divorce between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God and the Word of God itself. I've shared this phrase before. I want to interject it again. This is an old phrase. I don't know who to give credit to. Otherwise, I would, but I want you to know it's not mine. If you have the Word without the Spirit, you will dry up. If you have the Spirit without the Word, you will blow up. If you have the Word and the Spirit together, you will grow up. And God is asking us and beckoning us as the Lord of glory in this hour to grow up in God. 
The Father wants us to mature. This nation is full of believers who have known God for a long time and yet they're still plagued by all these childhood type issues where they're not able to grow. They're stunted in their progress. There's a rejection ultimately of Christ-likeness at an attitudinal value foundational level. And we believe the reset is about growing up and getting serious. This is not a time to point fingers. This isn't where we go off into pride and Phariseeism and we say, oh well, we're the only ones doing it right and we're the only ones following the presence of God and everyone else is a blah, blah, blah. Listen, we're not interested in categorizing people. That's what the enemy does. The accuser of the brethren to accuse is to categorize. When you start thinking, oh hey, every blank is this, you're functioning in accusation. All that we can control is what happens here in this house. All that we're responsible for is what happens here in this body. Amen? So there's a lot of relief in, yes, are we influenced by what's going on in our nation or what's going on in the churches around us or whatever is our previous experience, where you get your concept and your idea of church, if we don't get it from the Word of God, but we get it from somewhere else, then we're in a conflict with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So we've got to come together as one body in humility. And rather than point fingers, we should be looking in the mirror. So if you've seen this handout, if not, I want you to get it. It's the church culture and kingdom culture. And we believe that this was breathed from the heart of God for us as a fellowship. We believe this is a reflection even of what the Lord is doing in the wider body. And this is a comparison and a contrast of church culture and kingdom culture. Does anyone not have this handout? If you don't, it's available in the back. Feel free to get up and grab it. If you lost yours, God bless you. Just go ahead and increase your tithe to pay for paper and ink. That's really a joke. We don't like the poverty spirit in here. God will pay for it all. So church culture, kingdom culture. The culture of the kingdom of God is eternal. The culture that's within the church oftentimes is based on a fad. It's influenced by what is temporal and what can be seen. So there are people... Because they've been influenced by church culture, they carry an agenda and a false, unrealistic expectation for church, and they don't even know it. And God is purifying and cleansing and washing us because part of what we believe the reset is about is a restoration to what God originally intended for our Father's house. So this is not a change in vision. This is not a change in values. This is us putting our money where our mouth is in a very major risky way which we believe is faith. So church culture and kingdom culture, if you have the handout, I want to go through some of this this morning 
and look at this. And I'm not going to get into depth on all of these, but I want to touch on a few of them. Hopefully you've had a couple of weeks. We handed this out three weeks ago as a comparison for you. I pray that you've been wrestling through it. I hope that it's stirred up some things inside of your heart. I pray that it's brought clarity and enlightenment. I've sent this to a few brothers that are outside of this community and the response has been that surely God has given you the articulation for something that's been rumbling in our hearts for a long time. So I believe that this is a microcosm, that we're a small representation of what God wants to do in His church, which is purify and wash and cleanse us of church culture. Now, church is not a bad word, amen? Jesus said, I will build my church, but I want you to understand clearly that church culture is the counterfeit for the culture of the kingdom of God. Jesus has a rule and a reign and a desire and a will that he wants to execute in the earth in his church. So kingdom is a culture. Church is the vehicle through which God establishes his kingdom. Do you see the relationship there? But church culture is a counterfeit. It's a false substitute for the real deal. It's a fake. See, I believe that the strategy of the enemy infiltrated this place. And again, I've repented and will repent again. This starts with me. But the strategy of the enemy infiltrated and the desire of God for this place is for us to be a wildfire. But the enemy turns us into a bonfire. Oh, we'll just, we'll just gather around. We'll sing some songs. We'll have a good time. We'll, we'll feel the warmth. But there's not ascending. There's not an explosion. There's something that turns inward rather than outward. You know that the church is called to be a battleship. A lot of places feel like a cruise ship. Come on in. Here's all your benefits. Here's how long we got it. We'll do anything to get you to stay short of sin because this is a game and a gimmick. Can I read you something? This is from Richard C. Halverson, who was the chaplain in the Senate here. This is a powerful quote that I want you to hear. He says, Christianity began in Galilee as a fellowship of men and women centered on Jesus Christ. It went to Greece and became a philosophy. It went to Rome and became an institution. It went to Europe and became a culture. It came to America and it became an enterprise. We need to get back to our roots. Would you say amen if you agree this morning? So God is restoring us. So the vision of our Father's house is not the invention of something new. It's the restoration of something old. God is shifting the culture of this place to be a reflection, not of our values, but of His values in our hearts. So we want to be busy valuing what God values, which is His word. Amen. We want to be busy exalting Christ and we want to be dead serious about living a life of holiness and purity and honor for God that there would not be compromise which is the leaven that corrupts us all. See, compromise is subtle. It sneaks in and the next thing you know, you're barren. So this is the FAQ and we handed this out months ago. Let me show you something here. Read church culture and kingdom culture. Number one, church culture is the one-man ministry. Kingdom culture is five-fold ministry. 
Number two, church culture is about the lead pastor. Kingdom culture is a plurality of elders. Church culture breeds ministers for hire. Kingdom culture breeds ministers truly called by God. Church culture separates clergy and laity. Kingdom culture unites sons and daughters to the Father. Are you with me this morning? Church culture rebels against authority and accountability. It's all bad. Kingdom culture submits to God and to healthy leaders. This is the FAQ. Ready? This is the third question. This has been in the back for, I don't know, a year now. Who is the pastor? As a community who is deeply determined to glorify God and not man, we believe team leadership is clearly the New Testament pattern. We believe in elders and deacons functioning together to serve the needs of the church. We reject, can you say reject? We reject the one-man model of ministry as insufficient and unbiblical. We are actively seeking to equip leaders to grow in their responsibilities as we share the load together. Jesus alone is called the chief shepherd, and therefore he is the pastor of this flock. You want to talk about something that won't preach. Guys, where kingdom culture is so absent and church culture is deeply embedded is in the leadership structures of the church. If I tell you that a pastor, the pastor, one single man leading a single church isn't in the Bible, you have people that will get ready to stone you. Well, oh, my daddy was a pastor, my grandfather. Well, you start touching a nerve. You start hitting a root. You start exposing church culture that really what we want is rather than follow God, rather than there be a plural expression, rather than there being a shared vision among a team, we want somebody to follow. So in 1 Samuel 8, I don't want you to turn there. Stay in 1 Peter 5. We'll get somewhere. In 1 Samuel 8, listen to this. The nation of Israel has been influenced by the culture surrounding them. And they cry out to God and they say, Lord, give us a king. Listen to this. Give us a king so that we would be like every other nation of the earth. Israel didn't have a king, and God didn't want them to have a king. Why? He wanted to be their king. I'm your God. I'm among you. Come and worship me, and I'll provide for you and take care of you and lead you. But they looked around at the other nations, and they said, Lord, give us a king. We want to be like every other nation. Can I lay that right over top of American church culture and say, give us a pastor so that we can be like every other church? But every single reference in the New Testament to leadership is plural. It's elders, plural. Elders are the shepherds in the flock who are governing the body. There are two offices in the New Testament church. There are elders and there are deacons. I know we have boards and we have all kinds of crazy stuff that's gone on. Why? Because the church has become an enterprise. Because it's easier to set someone up and prop them up and put them on a pedestal and build the ministry around their gift. We need a solid, good lead communicator that people can track with and attendance will go up and money and giving will skyrocket. So the church ends up being built upon a personality rather than upon Jesus who's the foundation and the cornerstone. So this says, who's the pastor? Well, what are we saying here? Paul's not the pastor. 
The one-man model of ministry is insufficient. Guys, there are no references to pastors. He's the pastor. Listen, if you hold that Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus, all you've got is a leg called church tradition to stand on, and that doesn't hold any water. It's not in the Word of God. People think of Titus and First and Second Timothy as the what? Pastoral letters. Titus and Timothy are apostles. Those are apostolic letters. We have no grid for the fivefold ministry, Ephesians 4.11. It says, And Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service. So God has given this expression of the fivefold ministry to his body to equip the saints and to grow them up. But when you have one man doing all the leading, all the preaching, all the serving, all the prophesying, and it's all built on him. Listen, if somebody preaches a significant and an unusual amount, we knew one brother who told his associate pastor, this is a true story now, I'm not making this up. The associate pastor feels a word from the Lord, a burden, and he comes to the senior pastor, he goes up the chain in the corporate hierarchy and he says to the senior pastor I have a word on my heart I believe the Lord wants me to share would you let me know if that's okay and if there's a time that I might be able to preach and address the body and the senior pastor says to the associate pastor I don't sit on Sundays that's church culture do you know that in many churches and places people want to know that they find out that the pastor's on vacation and they go on vacation too <laughs> Guys, this is insidious, but it's everywhere. I told you where church culture is most deeply embedded is in the leadership structure. It's in the way that we think about things. So God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has a sequential building order. That doesn't mean apostles are the most important, prophets are second, and third are teachers, although a lot of the wannabes, they seem to all want to be apostles and prophets. Nobody says, man, I'm a teacher of God's word and I'm going to teach it. I'm going to advance like I'm an apostle because we have a, an inferiority complex so we want to feel superior. Hey, give me a title. I'm going somewhere this morning. I don't know if you want to hang with me, but this is the truth of the Word of God. And we need a washing and a cleansing of everything that smacks and speaks of church culture so that we can be a reflection of the New Testament church and God's glory and power. Listen, if you build according to the pattern, you'll get His presence and His power. Is it possible that we see so little Let's be honest, so little of God's power. We see so few healings. We don't witness the miracles that we believe for. Is it possible? Could it be that we've built the church according to our own value system instead of God's and therefore really the Lord is not present? See, I want to build God's way. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians 3 tells me that it's possible for you to labor and to build something and God consumes it all with fire. It gets burned up. Can you imagine? I don't want to be one of those that have labored and shared and taught and preached and given. And then you stand before Jesus and he says, well, your soul is saved, but your work is meaningless. Read 1 Corinthians 3. It's daunting. It'll put the fear of God in you if you have any desire to build the church. So there's a pattern in the New Testament. We say, give me presence Give me power. We want to speak in tongues and we want to prophesy. But in Acts 2 and Acts 4, it says they were sharing and giving of all they had. 
There was a sacrifice. There was a community aspect. See, in the church culture, you fellowship out of convenience. Well, when I can make it or when I can do it, but in the kingdom, you fellowship from a place of conviction that this is good for me and I'm planted in a body and I belong here and God's doing a work in my spiritual family. And guess what? You don't just run on family. There's a commitment because there's a covenant because there's shared values because we're in this thing together. The Father is resetting this place so that unity and clarity of vision would be at an all-time high for our Father's house. But church culture is the leaven. When you begin to expose this at these levels, I find this is why I saved this for week three, okay? Because I know that this is where the squirming really begins. You walk into a church, who's the pastor? And then you call him Pastor Bob, like that's their name. Jesus said in Matthew 23, you read it for yourself. He said, do not call and do not be called. Don't be called leader, for one is your leader. We don't like that kind of stuff. Let me prop you up. You're Pastor Billy, Pastor Bob, Pastor Susie. Every, before you know it, everybody's a pastor and we're obsessed with titles. Here's my ministry title and I have a title and you don't because I'm important and you're not because I'm in ministry and you're not. There's the separation of the clergy and the laity. Guys, this stuff is embedded in the church. Oh my Lord, it's everywhere. Look around. Did you know that's the influence of the Catholic Church? You got to go to a priest. You got to go to a man. This is the new covenant. Bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus for you and I to have access. Sometimes people come up to me and they want me to pray. And they're postured in a, in a place, honestly, where they make me feel like the Pope. Can I be real with you this morning? All right, I'll, I'll preach to this side. You guys take a nap. But people approach me and you know what I end up doing? When I pray for them, I ask them, would you pray for me? And I say, you have the same access to God I do. I've seen stuff just break and fall off of people. Honor is a good thing. Worship of man is from the pit of hell. We should honor leaders. We should esteem them. We should thank them. We should serve them. We should sow into their lives. But when we begin to worship and prop up and we create a pedestal, listen, you want to talk about leaders falling, right? Oh, he had a fall. Well... If you don't get put on a pedestal, you can't fall off. If you walk in humility and honesty, you know, hey, I'm your brother. I'm your friend. I'm a son to the Father. This doesn't eliminate leadership. God has two offices in the church, elders and deacons. But rather than it being a pyramid scheme and a hierarchy, we believe that it's a basement. Are you ready to descend into the basement of service? Because real shepherds, they smell like sheep, not commentaries. Are we having fun yet? Now we're going to take this thing to the next level. Come on, look at these bad boys right here. We got some fresh $100 bills. What kind of church is this? It's the kingdom culture, baby. <laughs> All right, go ahead and pass the baskets again. We're going to. How many of you want this $100 bill? Just raise your hand. Just be honest. Who doesn't want a, a crisp $100 bill? 
Keep your hands up. Come on, some of you, you didn't endure the race. All right, all right, hold on. Let's see who we got here. Oh, Lord. All right. Kara, what do you think of that $100 bill? Yeah, let's clap for her. All right, tell me, take a good look. What do you think of this? Are you glad? Okay, here's the deal. She didn't look closely. This is a fake. <laughs> this is a fake. This is a counterfeit. You all are like ready to stone me. <laughs> look, he's in the middle. Do it now. <laughs> How dare you? I like being in the back with you guys. We need to get you in the splash zone. Apparently, I spit. Okay, this is a fake. This is church culture. This is a counterfeit. Looks good. Smells good. Feels good. It's fake. And by the way, we didn't break any laws to get this, okay? It literally says, for motion picture purposes. <laughs> Apparently, you're in a movie. <laughs> we are recording. This is a fake. It looks good, but you know what? When you get close and you examine it, it doesn't have the power and the value associated with it. It has the appearance of something real. Here's kingdom culture. This is the reality of God's presence and power put on display. This is what you want. But we cry out and say, oh, that looks shiny. That looks good. I want that. And then we get it. And then you go and you try to cash it in and it bounces. And the tellers say, this is a fake. And you realize, I don't have as much within me as I thought. I don't have as much of the reality of God. I've got a lot of church culture. Kara, here's your real $100 bill. Mitchell, thank you for the donation. I took it out of your wallet this morning. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> we want the real deal. We don't want what's shiny or what's flashy or what looks good or even what other people around us want. We want what God wants for His church. And we're determined. We are deeply devoted to get it and to honor him. I want this to be a place where Jesus is honored, where Jesus is glorified, where the ministry of Christ in his fullness is functioning in our midst, where we don't have a game or a gimmick or a show. Oh, we've got the real thing. You know, when you have the real thing, it takes all the need to advertise away. You just let God bring them. We have entire departments and efforts, efforts and multi-million dollar expressions in the church where we got to go advertise and bring them in because church programs you to stay. Kingdom culture motivates you to get up and go and get busy with the work that God has called you to. Amen. See, church culture just teaches you all, all you do is receive. Sit there, receive, and don't forget to tithe. Thank you, Lord. Healing. <clears throat> Kingdom culture. Yeah, you receive, but you receive so that you learn to give, so that you grow up, so that you have something to offer, so that we're not just looking for people to pray and prophesy to us. We're actually ready to pray and prophesy and believe for miracles for others. Amen? Amen. So we don't want the counterfeit. We want the real deal. Here we are in 1 Peter 5. Let's read. Verse 1, this is the Apostle Peter. This is the guy who preached on Pentecost. 
3,000 souls are saved. This is the guy who raised people from the dead, who saw signs and wonders and miracles that you and I have not seen. And this is Peter, listen to his words. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. Would you say fellow elder? Catch the humility of this. He didn't say, I, Peter, Jesus' favorite, command you. He says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder, witness of the sufferings of Christ, partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I'll stop there, but I love 1 Peter 5. So who's the chief shepherd? So if Jesus is the shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, that means that we can't be. So is it possible that the pastoral system that has plagued the church, that has corrupted us as the influence of enterprise, and it causes us to sell our birthright of following Jesus, and it sets us up to follow a man? Listen, I believe in leadership. I believe in exampleship. I believe that, yes, we are following to some extent and receiving what God is doing in someone's life. That's okay. But if someone falls and you fall with them, you weren't leaning on Christ, you were leaning on them. And it's like dominoes. They go down, you go down. Woo, boo, and you're down. But if you're leaning on Jesus and you're established on Him, sure, there's a shaking. Yes, we're connected. If one member suffers, we all suffer with it, 1 Corinthians 12 says. But yes, no, I'm leaning on Christ. He's my firm foundation. But how many places, guys, listen. I don't say this from, a, uh, I, I enjoy this, or I, this is like good news to me. This makes me really sad that there are so many places where if the pastor quit or died, the church would close. If the pastor falls, everybody, the whole thing <laughs> caves in with it. Why is that? It's church culture. Last time I checked, kingdom culture, the apostles all died and the church grew. The thing exploded. They were missing their leaders because they had become leaders. Some of us are listening this morning. So you have the expression of the fivefold ministry. I will teach on this in the months to come. But you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Each of these five ministries, the fivefold ministry, they're given to equip the saints. They're a unique expression of the grace of Jesus. So when you're around a shepherd, true shepherds, man, they make you feel like a million dollars and they just want to know how you are and how you're doing. How can I pray for you? How can I care for you? Teachers are like, hey, can you come to my Bible study on Tuesday morning? 
Let's get in the Word. We need line upon line. We need precept. Do you know the root of agape? Do you understand? Listen, I got all this stuff, and it's all good, and it's, it's an expression of Jesus. You get around evangelists, or you hear uh, an evangelist under the anointing preach, you're like, i got to go win souls. I've gotten lazy about the Great Commission. They're pounding it. Man, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And you get inspired and, and motivated and invigorated by the grace that they're carrying. Are you with me? Prophets, they teach you how to prophesy. They stretch you. They pull you into the things of the Spirit. Things get shifting. They start shaking and rattling and rolling when the prophetic is moving in the church. The apostolic, the fathers, the founders, the ones who are going to go after the things that are over the church, that are going to confront principalities and powers that ultimately are laying down their lives because Paul said about apostles that we're the scum of the earth. See, a true apostles finish last. In church culture, they get first place. And everybody knows it. Give me my medal. Make sure you recognize me. Call me by my title. None of that's apostolic in nature. All right, that was a teaser. An, an appetizer. So Peter tells them, I'm a fellow elder. You hear the equality, the humility? We're elders, we're serving together. Listen, when you're an elder, you don't use the people to get your needs met. You make sure that they get their needs met because they come before you. Because it's about service and sacrifice. It's about shepherding the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion. Whether you get paid or you don't get paid, it doesn't matter. Hey, this is my calling. This is what God, the creator of the universe, my father, has commissioned me to do is shepherd the flock of God. But here we are in church culture. You're in ministry or you're not in ministry based upon where you draw a paycheck. Listen, is a doctor not a doctor, Dr. Huber? If you are here today, are you a doctor? Oh, but you're not in a hospital. He's still carrying the skill set, the grace. Are you with me? But we go, oh, I'm not a pastor anymore. No, that's not your career. But is it your calling? Because a calling is eternal. The career is temporal. And what the church has done has turned this into a profession. It's about professional ministry. I believe it was John Piper who rebuked all the guys in the conference and said, Brothers, we're not professionals. The professionalism, the individualism, the corporate mentality, the enterprise monster that has influenced us called church culture. We're exposing it in our hearts and we're eradicating it from our midst. I want the full expression of Jesus. Don't you guys want to hear from anointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers? That's so that we grow up. Why is the fivefold ministry given? Part of the reason is for maturity. So the body of Christ remains immature. Why? Because there's not an expression of the fivefold. If you sit under the same person and you hear them over and over and over and over and over, you're only getting one perspective. Their, their grace may be exponential and abundant and a blessing. And please hear me, that's good. I'm not saying preaching is bad, scrap the whole thing. I'm saying God wants to parse some things. He wants to separate and cut out the cancer of church culture and launch us into embracing the fullness of the kingdom of God. But can I tell you, it's messy. 
How many evangelists are frustrated with a lukewarm church so they go and they become pastors? And they can't shepherd. They don't want to counsel. They get overwhelmed and swallowed up by the needs of people. They don't have any grace to really shepherd the flock or teach the flock. They're an evangelist. They have a passion. They want to take the gospel places it's never been. They want to win souls. But they look at the current church culture and they go, man, I don't fit in. I guess this is how I do it. And they get tired of sending disciples who are on fire into a church that's lukewarm and watching them cool off and slow down so they say well I'll just start a church and there's no grace there and the body's out of alignment and out of order there's another appetizer again I want to teach on this stuff I want to explain I want to bring us into clarity and revelation and understanding because this is a part of the New Testament church But we've kicked apostles and prophets mainly out of the church because when apostles and prophets are ministering, you're going to feel the shaking and the quaking. You're going to get to wake them up and shake them up. And are you really, truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? So we say, well, we just just teach me the Bible. We just want to go through Romans. And we want to have it every single week. Is that church culture? I believe it is. But this is for us to wrestle through. I believe this is what we're to war for. Because I'm telling you, the campfire thing is real. We're rejecting the campfire. We're going after wildfire. We're going after an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. I want to influence this region. I want there to be a house of, of glory here in this city where God is moving and active and among us. I want there to be a family of churches in this region that are full of the Holy Spirit that believe God's gifts and God's power are for today because they are. I want to make war against religion and I want to kick Jezebel out of the pulpit and out of the places of authority and overthrow her and bring in the true expression of who is Jesus Christ. I believe it's the desire of the Father. Because if it were up to me, I wouldn't be doing any of this. I'd be golfing somewhere. Somebody say hallelujah. Every time I go out there, I just rebuke the bogey spirit in Jesus' name. And if you come in doubles or triples, get away from me. Some of you have no idea what I just said. Google, what is a bogey? I need to stay away from you right now. So church culture builds a business. Are there business elements to church? Let's be honest. Yes, there are. Do we have a 501c3? Does the Indiana government recognize us? Yeah, of course. All good things. But when you become indoctrinated and filled with, what's our growth strategy? As there are people that call it ministry, but they sit in board meetings, and the whole thing is, how do we get giving and attendance up? That's not ministry. That's a corporate entity. That's an enterprise. So in the New Testament church, you have elders and you have deacons. Elders carry the authority, and there's a plurality. There's an expression. Why? Because there's supposed to be accountability among elders. When you set the thing up and you have a senior pastor, can I tell you, we believe that absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
So we position people and we set them up to fail. And in a lot of places how it actually works is the elders aren't elders. They're not shepherds. They don't smell like sheep. The elders are your wealthy, mostly businessmen. They give the most, so they have the most power in the church. And they're the elder board, and they hire and fire the pastor. And they do like, here's your performance review. Well, I guess this year you're not called by God anymore. You're fired. <laughs> I told you, you start touching this stuff at this level, and people go, leave it alone. Paul, can you just not touch it? No, I can't. God has put me up to this. This is where we look in the mirror. This isn't where we point fingers. This is where we say, hey, we want to walk in humility. We just want to follow the New Testament pattern as best we know how. James says to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. I believe it would be sin if we became like a lot of churches. Because we know better. Because we understand these things. Because God has been gracious enough to reveal us. So our attitude and our motive has to be that we're inviting people into the more of God. We're inviting people into a greater expression of Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We cannot fall for the trick of self-righteousness where it becomes, well, we have it and you don't. Because that stuff stinks before God. There are many, many, many places in this nation that are serving Jesus, that are honoring God. Aren't we all doing the best we can with what we know? A lot of people, they're just doing the best they can with what they've seen. They have no paradigm, but oh, if there was a place that we could point to, wave your hand at me. If there was a community and a group of people, all right, two people waved. If there was a community and a group of people that wanted to be a part of something real where we said, hey, here's the New Testament. It says, Acts 2.42, they were devoted to fellowship, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to the apostles' teaching. We're like, well, fellowship, I mean, I can't really make it. Prayer, that's boring. Can we be honest? Prayer. We have prayer here on Wednesday nights. You know why we have prayer, especially right now? Prayer is the most unmarketable thing imaginable. You go ahead and try and market prayer and prop up prayer. This is why the prayer meeting is so empty. Leonard Ravenhill said, the church, Sunday morning, that'll tell you how popular the church is. Sunday night tells you how popular the pastor is. The prayer meeting tells you how popular God is. Is God popular in our lives? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to consume God. <laughs> this is the Western world. Give me another teaching. We have more information than you could ever want. There are more teachings. There is more stuff out there. There's more thousands of hours of podcasts and YouTube. But you know what's crazy? I love what Brother Derek Kirkman says. He says, you have people that they like sermons more than they like the Bible. That cuts me. We just want to hear another message. We're still under the old covenant. Moses, go up on the mountain. Tell us what God is saying. We'll just follow you. When the heart of God is come and know me for yourself, grow up in me. Learn to pray. Learn to prophesy. Get equipped. Grow up. Influence your family and your friends. And be an on-fire Christian. That's what God desires for us. 
is exposing church culture in our hearts. I just want kingdom. This place was birthed out of a desire to see God move in power in our lives. You know what I think pleases the Lord more than anything? Christ-like character. We have put so much emphasis on gifts and anointing and we'll overlook your sins if you can preach. Church culture. Kingdom culture is character qualifies you for ministry. The elders... Look at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. The qualifications for elders, and if you look at deacons also in 1 Timothy 3, it has everything to do with character. It has everything to do with your real heart of hearts. That's what God is after in this hour. I believe that some of us, this is a word that the Lord spoke to me, that for some of us our journey has been dying to ministry to be raised into sonship. I believe there's a dying to, I want to be seen and I want to be recognized to. I'm a son, I'm a daughter to the Father and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give and I'm going to love regardless of where I draw a paycheck or regardless of what's going on. I'm called of God and this is the grace that He's given me and I want to manifest it and walk in it. Are you with me this morning? How are we doing? Peter, our fellow elder. Peter, the big diggity dog. I mean, if, the, if the, the 21st century American church apostles wrote a letter to America, it wouldn't sound like that. And is it any wonder why people get burned out on this stuff? Because there's power-hungry, greedy, manipulative people that are dominating the flock of God? Elders serve. Nobody. <laughs> serve what? They serve you, Jesus. Here's Christ crucified. I'm determined to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. I believe God wants to crucify this church. I believe He wants to get out a fresh plank of wood and nails and put some fresh holes in our hands and our feet because we want to do it God way, God's way. God's way is better. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Here's church culture. The Holy Spirit's kind of weird. So, well, we still believe in Him, but we'll put Him in a back room. If you pray in tongues, make sure you do it in the corner. <laughs> what if somebody's praying in tongues and they're receiving a word of prophecy that's going to shift and alter the destiny of someone's life? What if by praying in the Holy Spirit, there's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, which are a part of the gifts of the Spirit of God, that they're going to give somebody a word that's going to shift things, that God's going to speak in a moment and bring them into His will. But if we shut all that down because we're scared, because fear is the number one reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't operate in the church today, fear of excess, fear of a loss of control. Oh, you mean people, the, the laity are going to be given the microphone? Who, who dare you? Who dare you? Not how dare you, who dare you? I asked one brother one time, he says, yeah, we, we believe in, in all that stuff. I said, so if you had a word from the Lord and you had something that God put on your heart, and you approached your leadership, do you think they'd let you share it? He was like, oh, no way. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no. This whole thing about we're, we're open, 
We're, we're open to that. That's not real. Listen, if you're committed in your marriage, in your family, you're not, well, I, like I'm open to my wife. No, I'm pursuing her. I'm wooing her. I'm winning her. I'm not just waiting on her to do something for me. This is how we treat the Holy Ghost now. Oh, we're waiting. We're open. You've got to pursue. You've got to go after. You've got to contend. This is 1 Corinthians 14, by the way. You pursue these things. In your pursuit of love, see, well, where does love come in? My love for people and God makes me want to prophesy. My love makes me want to see people healed in the name of Jesus so that they can go give a testimony to all their unbelieving aunts and uncles and friends. God did something that you can't explain. And then Jesus gets the credit and then the fame of the Lord begins to grow in the earth. See, church people, they follow Jesus so that he can make their life better. I'm in it for the benefits. Where's the blessing? Kingdom people follow Jesus to make his name famous. Lord, this is for your glory. This is for your honor. It doesn't matter what happens to me in this life because I'm living for eternity. Because I've got a revelation of the life to come. It's more blessed to give than receive. That's a kingdom phrase. In the church, it's not more blessed to give. It's more blessed to receive. We're here to receive. We struggle to give of our money because, well, now I have less rather than a revelation of eternity. It says, God, all of this is yours to begin with. My life and my heart are submitted to you. So where my treasure is, there's my heart. Because in the church... You can give occasionally. You can give randomly. Some people, they give as a way to, I guess, cleanse their conscience. Well, I sinned a lot this week, so rather than 20, I'll give 50. Guys, this is church culture. This is what people are taught. They're shamed into a you know, given offering. And it's like, you've got access to the Father. Get forgiveness and get restoration and get healing and be in sacrificial devotion to the Lord and your money. This isn't a forgiveness issue. And you don't need to pay somebody to prophesy to you, by the way. You don't, hey, well, you know, sow a $773 seed and 33 cents and you'll receive your healing today. That's the manipulation and the control and the lording it over the people that, hey, we've got something that you need and we're just businessmen also. Should I stop now? <laughs> Let's look at this. Look at some of the values. Values, middle section. Church culture, number four. Focused on productivity and results. Kingdom culture is focused on people and relationships. It's built on God's presence and power. Number three, church culture. Built on performance and programs. Are programs bad? We have a youth ministry. We have a developing kingdom kids ministry. Are these things good? Yes, they are. But when they're all that you have and they're all that you sow into, that's how you end up with a multi-million dollar this or that. And it's really, man, if the kids like it, we know the adults will come back. Forget teaching them Jesus. Let's appeal to their little flesh and let's, let's teach them that really it's all about you. Did you have a good time? What if we started asking our kids, hey, what did you learn? What if sending our, our kids 
to children's church looked like they had an encounter with God. They repented of their sins. They came and said, Mommy, you know, when I told you this yesterday, I lied to you and I'm sorry. And the Holy Spirit was cleansing their young heart and they were learning the presence of God rather than, I had so much fun just like last week. This is church culture. Entertainment on steroids. How can we keep you anesthetized? with gimmicks and shows. How about real power? Real transformation. You know why we struggle to measure success through Christ-likeness? It's not as tangible as how many people were there and what was the offering like. Because Christ-likeness is spiritual business. Are people becoming disciples? Are they devoted? Are they surrendering? Is there real Holy Ghost work that's happening in people's hearts? Is character transformation actually taking place? Well, some of that is invisible and unverifiable. Therefore, well, how many people are there? In church culture, success is how many people came through the door. In kingdom culture, success is how many people left and were never the same. They had an encounter. They experienced truth. They embraced the Father's love. They were brought out of orphanhood into sonship to God their Father. And they're never the same. But we struggle because it's not so tangible for us. Here's what I believe we're doing. And I'll share with you personally. And then I'll land the plane. Maybe. Bill Johnson says every preacher gets three closings before they're a liar. So I guess there's my first one. Maybe my second, depends on how you measure. What has encouraged me personally the most is the Holy Spirit said to me, Paul, I'm so pleased with what you're doing. He said, it's not the American dream. He said, you're laying down the American ministry dream. And it pleases me. That's what I feel like we're doing here. We're laying down the American ministry dream. Look around, y'all. Let's be honest. The crowd is thinning. God is at work. The Lord is pruning His church. This is an opportunity to release people and bless and there be a gracious exit. This is also an opportunity for people to get on board and buy in and sow into what the Lord is doing here in a real way. That says, I'm not going to run when things are hard. I'm not going to choose offense. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm not going to go to bitterness. I'm going to go to grace. And the kingdom of God gets worked out in our midst. God's highest goal in our lives is love. To grow us up in love. In church culture, you can get mad and you can leave and you can join another church. You don't have to learn how to love. You don't have to stick around. You don't have to forgive Sister Susie and Brother Bobby and walk with them and talk with them and pray with them and forgive them. You can just move on. Church discipline doesn't exist anymore because if we publicly rebuke you because you're in unrepentant sin, you'll just go to another church anyway. I said you're laying down the American ministry dream. It's not about people. It's not about finances. Those things are fine. We want to influence people, amen? 
I want to impact as many people as possible, but I want to make sure that what they're being impacted with is the Word of God and the kingdom value system that pleases the Lord. It's easy to say, well, we don't measure success by money and numbers. When you don't have any money and you're in a room, your living room with 12 people and eight of them have your last name. (laughs) Of course that's what you say because you'd be a failure if you didn't. Here we go again, singing the same songs with my family. (laughs) We're a house church, woo! (laughs) Is it about where you meet? Is it a house? No, God, it's about how you meet. They were in the house to house and they were in the temple. They were committed to the presence and power of God. So is it a house church? Is it a mega church? Is it a medium church? Grande if you're at Starbucks? Or is it about how you gather and the value system and the the reality of Christ ruling and reigning in your lives? That's what God is after. We're laying down the American ministry dream and we're going to receive the God-sized kingdom dream. I believe that the Lord is stirring people all over the earth. I believe that this shift into kingdom culture, I know it by natural knowledge, but I feel it by the Spirit that this is what's going on in many places around the earth right now. Because COVID was a tremor that exposed a whole lot of church culture. It exposed a whole lot of people that were afraid, that were like, you know what, forget it, I'll just stay home. I didn't want to go anyway. And then you had people that were like, man, watching TV, church, on the couch in my PJs is awesome. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to see anybody. I don't even have to brush my teeth. (laughs) See, COVID put a shockwave into the church, but it was just a birth pain. There's going to be greater testing and greater trial that comes. And the true church of Jesus Christ is going to be revealed in that hour of testing. I want to be a part of something real, something biblical, something authentic, something powerful, something where there's a level of commitment and honor and sacrifice that looks like we're trying to be like Jesus. We're not trying to be like the church down the road. Where we're not interested in what's going on out there. Ultimately, we want to be pleasing to God in our heart of hearts. That's what the Lord is after. Would you stand with me? So after the reset, if you dare to come back, who dare you? (laughs) Somebody make me a shirt. Who dare you? New phone, who dis? After the reset, we'll be talking into this paradigm more. We have one more Sunday. Next Sunday is our celebration Sunday. We're going to celebrate all that God has done. The old wine that's been poured out, the old wineskin that we provided for Him. We're going to have a lot of fun next Sunday. It starts Saturday at 10 at the volunteer celebration. If you've served in this ministry, if you've labored with us, if you've given, you're invited. We want you to come. We want you to dunk Mitchell Wasman in the dunk tank. If you have a cousin that played baseball, bring them. I'll make an exception. Meet me at the gate at 9.55. We want to see the deacons go down as much as possible. But we're going to celebrate 
what the Lord has done here. And then we're going to go into a time of prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord intentionally in that time. We want you to be led of the Lord. Perhaps God leads you in different ways. I'm careful not to throw out ideas because I want you to hear God for yourself. Amen. What are we going to do? We're going to be deprogrammed as church robots. We're going to get activated and come alive as kingdom people. And we're going to advance the gospel of God everywhere we go. Does that sound fun? There's a shift that's happening here. And I believe it's pleasing to the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we receive... The new wine, the new wine skin. Lord, we want what you're doing here. Come on, somebody pray with me this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you're pouring out here. Lord, we get rid of the old wine skin. We say no to complacency. We say no to apathy, no to boredom. We push back against the principalities and powers that would want to put us to sleep. And we ask you, Father, for a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would pour out your grace grace upon this house that you would make us Lord a people that are anointed that are devoted to you that are full of power and grace Lord would you shift the value system in our hearts would you shift the culture would you cause us to embrace the kingdom here in our hearts Jesus you said no one who looks to the plow no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God Lord we choose today to put our hand to the kingdom plow and we say no to looking back we say no to turning around we say no to losing heart and growing weary and doing good God we're going to press we're going to push we're going to labor we're going to fight we're going to scratch and we're going to claw if we have to because we believe that you are in it with us and that you desire a holy people a sacrificial people an on fire people for the name of Jesus Lord would you ready us even this morning for your return for surely Jesus you will come and split the sky on that glorious day and we want all who are with us to come and be with you and be caught up and meet you in the air at the sound of the trumpet Lord this morning we say Maranatha come Lord Jesus Maranatha come bring your rule and bring your reign throw down Satan into the lake of fire and establish your kingdom forever Jesus you are our king you're our Lord. You're our God. You're our Savior. Father, we honor You in this house. May this truly be our Father's house. Full of sons and daughters. No longer orphans. Submitted and surrendered to You. God, would You release healing? Would You further the work of restoration that You were doing this morning? Restore minds. Restore marriages. Establish Your kingdom here in Avon, Indiana. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) I feel like there are people that are going to be stirred to shift some things. I see geographical moves. I see things in the Spirit. I see repositioning of jobs. I see a change in vocation for people in mighty ways. I mean, I feel like there's a window of faith here as it relates to this body. And again, this is going on in other places. This is not we're the only ones club. Don't develop the Elijah syndrome where you say, I'm the only one. God says, no, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee or kissed Baal. There, God is after a remnant in the earth. 
There's going to be a remnant representation unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Go forward in faith and power. Amen.